Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. We're not cowards. Why? Why are we not cowards? Because heaven and hell are on the line. And there may be a lot of nonsense out there and there's a lot of distractions and all this stuff. Church of God needs to get back to the fact that we're dealing with heaven and hell. We're dealing with eternity. There are people who stand on that line, so to speak. We need to be bold. We need to be brave. You need to tell people about Jesus. You need to be in the Word so much so that you begin to sound and look like Jesus. Are you a believer who's bold in their faith? In today's message from Pastor James, he stresses to you the importance of being brave and bold within your faith. Heaven and hell is on the line for people. You don't want to be shy and not share the good news of Jesus. Pastor James explains that this is a matter of where people spend eternity. That's a big deal. It's God's desire that none should perish, but that all would come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Share your faith boldly with others. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Acts chapter 4 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. Highly trained religious leaders are like, man, these guys, well, you know, they don't, they don't speak too highly of Galileans anyways. These are country boys, right? Like in, in Israel, these are like country folks, so to speak, of like, they're not as sophisticated as us in Jerusalem, right? That was kind of their thought process. And they are absolutely impressed with Peter and with John. So, they, they, so it goes on to say, for they could see that they were ordinary men who had no special training. They're like... How do these guys, how do these fishermen know so much about the Bible? How do they have this boldness? How are they preaching with authority, which these religious leaders, none of them had. None of them had. The thing that they were impressed, one of the things they were were impressed with concerning Jesus was that he preached with authority. And when these guys got up to teach, nobody really cared what they had to say. Because none of these guys were preaching with authority because they didn't have it. Jesus showed up and taught in the temple. They were like, wow, this guy's got authority. Now they're seeing the same thing with Peter and John. And they're amazed that these two uneducated fishermen can speak so clearly and boldly. And they're, they're just amazed by it. This isn't speaking against education or, or, or for it or anything like that. The point of this is that Peter and John hung out with Jesus, and they were trained by Jesus And when the moment came to stand before these men and to share what the Holy Spirit wanted them to share, they did it. They did it. If education's your thing, sweet. I love education. I love it. I love it. I earned my associates, which is really nothing I learned in uh, in Bible college, which is really nothing. But I, man, I'm I'm taking. I'll, I'll I'll study anything. I'll read up on anything. I just love it. I love learning. I love absolutely learning. I love learning new stuff. Stuff I don't even use in my life. Okay. Have no, there's no point to it at all, but I just love learning about it. God's given us these brains, and they're awesome, and they're amazing, and I just want to learn stuff because I'm just fascinated by it. If that's not your deal, it's not your deal. It doesn't matter. What I would hope is that you spend so much time with Jesus that you begin to look and sound like him, that when people encounter you, they're like, seems like you'd spend a lot of time with this guy, Jesus. 
And you're like, man, I, I, I try. I try. I try. Well, what's your, what degrees? I don't have any degrees. I don't. If I showed you my one, you'd laugh at it. But it's like, I just want to spend more time with Jesus. That's, I, if I want to look and sound like anybody in this world, it's him. That's what's going on here with Peter and John. And the religious leaders are just absolutely amazed. It goes on to even say that they also recognize them as men who had been with Jesus. The same guys who a little over a month ago had Jesus physically in their presence questioning him, by what authority are you doing these things? And now they're talking to Peter and John, two of his guys, and they're like, man, you guys sound just like him. Thank you. Thank you. Amen to that. That's a compliment. Thank you so much for that. And especially for Peter, if you know anything about his story, that guy had foot-in-the-mouth disease like crazy, okay? Always opening up his mouth just so he could insert his foot nonstop. And he would still, he'll still have moments of that, but you can see the transformation that's happening in this guy's life. If you don't know about the transformation of John, I would encourage you to read 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and you will see a transformation that happened in his life. For Peter, scripturally, read 1st and 2nd Peter and compare that with the man that you learn about in the Gospels, and they are two different individuals, all because of Jesus. Verse 14, they really want to get these guys, but they can't because... With them is the cripple guy, once formerly known, formerly known as the cripple guy. Verse 14, but since the man who had been healed was standing right there among them, the council had nothing to say. I love this. Please, please, please get this. Please get this. Peter and John, the day before, reach out, extend a hand to this guy and tell him about Jesus. This guy, I'm telling you, he's in heaven right now. And we talked about that last week. You don't know who he is. He's the guy who's still jumping and dancing around. When you get there, you'll know him because that's got to be the guy, right? So he's still doing that. But this next day, he probably didn't go to jail with them, but he was there first thing in the morning. When the trial is happening, he's the first one to show up. I love this. I miss this every time I read through the book of Acts until this week when I'm studying through the book of Acts and I'm like, this guy, he didn't have to be there. He didn't have to be there. I mean, why in the world, if you're guilty by association, right, because you're part of the problem in one sense, as far as the religious leaders are concerned, if you hadn't been healed, none of this would even have to be addressed. I bet the moment he could go through those doors and stand next to these guys, he was there. He was there. That's loyalty. That's impressive. Because these two guys who walked into his life on that day and extended this hand to him raised him up and pointed him to Jesus, the next day as they're on trial, he is standing right with these guys, right with them. He's risking his own life. You don't understand what this means. This guy has no, he hasn't had a job at all his entire life. His job has been to beg at the beautiful gate because he's, his ankles were messed up and he couldn't walk. He couldn't have a job. The religious leaders would be able to dictate whether or not this guy got a job from here on out. And so for you to stand and identify yourself with these two men who are on trial, you are jeopardizing everything, everything. And he's right there with them, right there with them, probably still jumping and skipping around, praising God. I love it. That's devotion. Not to Peter and to John, to them, yes, to the church, absolutely, but more so to Jesus saying, man, 
Jesus changed my life forever. I'll stand before whoever I have to stand before. I'll count the cost. May mean you never get a job. I don't care. I'll go somewhere else and get a job. I can do that. I know how to work, figure that thing out. But these guys were the only ones in my life who ever stood up for me. They're the only ones who ever grabbed hold of my hand and pulled me up and pointed me to Jesus. You better believe I'm going to stand next to them while they're on trial. Devotion. Absolute devotion. It's needed today. It's needed. I love it. And the, the religious leaders, they're like, they want to punish these guys. But they can't say anything because that guy is right there. And how are you going to deny it? He's right there. He won't stop. He won't stand still. He will not stand still. So we can't punish these guys because we can't say anything about against them. Obviously, the Lord did something. Obviously, God did something through these guys. What do we say? What can we say? You can't say anything. You can't say anything. The proof is there. So they can't say anything. So what they're going to do is they're going to threaten them. Verse 15, so they sent Peter and John out of the council chambers and conferred among themselves. Verse 16, what should we do with these men? They asked each other. We can't deny that they have done a miraculous sign. And everybody in Jerusalem knows about it. But perhaps we can stop them from spreading their propaganda or spreading these lies, so to speak. We'll warn them not to speak to anyone in Jesus' name again. So they called the apostles back in and told them never again to speak or teach about Jesus. That's it. We've had it. No more Jesus. You can do your church thing, but you can't talk about Jesus. You're like, what? You know we're a church thing because of Jesus, right? Like this whole thing started because of him. You can't talk anymore about Jesus. Peter's reply is brilliant. He says, Peter and John both reply, he says, do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? They're like, hold on, um, religious leaders, rabbis, teachers, experts on the word of God. Are you telling us that we should obey you above God? Because that actually goes against everything that you know to be true from the Old Testament. So what, if I get this right, if I understand this right, you're saying that God has told us to do this, but yet your word and your authority usurps God's. Is that right? They're like, uh, 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 uh. Yeah, yeah. Basically, they're going to say, yeah, kind of. Kind of. Peter's like, what, what? We're not going to talk, stop talking about him. There's no way. He even goes on to say, we can't stop telling about the wonderful things we have seen and heard. There's, we can't stop talking about it. I hope that that would be my heart. I hope that that would be your heart as well. If Jesus has pulled you up, restored you, given you new life, new heart, all that stuff, I, I pray that our response to that is, like, I just can't stop talking about him. He's that good. I just can't stop talking about him. You better stop talking about Jesus. Well, I can't. I can't. It's just going to keep coming out. Like, I can't. He's too good. The council threatened them further. They're intensifying their threats in verse 21. But they finally let them go because they didn't know how to punish them without starting a riot. They wanted to beat them. They're going to do that in the next chapter because they don't listen. But they can't because they know that if they, if they harm these guys, they're going to cause a riot. It says, because everybody, for everyone, was praising God for this miraculous sign, the healing of the man who had been lame for more than 40 years. More than 40 years. Why are these guys not on their faces worshiping God? Because they're blind. Religion. Religion. It's blinded them. This doesn't fit in their comfort zone. This doesn't fit in their box. 
of how they understand how God works and all this stuff. It, it doesn't fit in their box, and so they don't know what to do with it, and it's a seen as a threat. It's a perceived threat to them and to the temple, and these guys follow this guy, Jesus. Jesus, uh, you know, a few months ago, you know, even leading up to that, only about a month and a half ago leading up to this story, was in their same temple throwing over the tables. He was ruining their business, and they just, they, they can't handle it. They're like, this is, this is not, this isn't it. Yet they missed it the whole time. They're, they're missing it the whole time. You might wonder, like, how do you know, how do we even know what they said in their little secret meeting? Have you ever thought about that? Because they, they kicked Peter and John out, and they had this little conference. You're like, well, of course the Holy Spirit knows what's being said, and he can communicate that through Luke. Um, but there's also, there's yes to that. There's also something else that you should probably be aware of. Uh, there was a man who was uh, more than likely part of the Sanhedrin. His name is Saul. He's probably there. He's probably at that meeting. He's probably there because it's not that far down the road where Saul is headed up to, you know, to go cause some trouble. Damascus Road there. Uh, that's not too long, too far from this story when this story is actually happening. Just so you understand the timeline. There's a really good chance that Saul, who later becomes the Apostle Paul, is in at this hearing, is hearing all this stuff about Jesus. We know that he, he becomes the greatest threat to Christianity, so to speak, until he meets Jesus on the road to Damascus. But there's a good chance that as Luke is writing this to Theophilus, that, and Luke is hanging out with Paul at, towards the, the, half of, the latter half of this letter, Paul's like, yeah, I was in that meeting. You want to know what we said? Here's what we said. What do we do with these guys? <laughs> Clearly, God's doing something through these guys, and we're dumbfounded. We don't know what to do with these guys. He goes on to say just, just how, the, how the body responds. This is the last little section here. We'll just read through real quick. But um, this is for you and I, church, and all that good stuff. How do you respond? How do you respond to threats? How do you respond to persecution? How do you respond to when somebody says, stop talking about Jesus? Well, here's what you do. Verse 23, as soon as they were freed, Peter and John found the other believers and told them, the leading priests and what the leading priests and elders had said. Then all the believers were united and they lifted their voices in prayer. Here's their prayer. They're, they are united over this thing. They're not divided, okay? They're like, we're going to come together. It says, all the believers are united. They lifted up their voices in prayer. And here's what they said. O sovereign Lord, God who is in control, okay? God who is in control, creator of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them, you spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit through our ancestor, King David, your servant, saying, why did the nations rage? Why did the people waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepared for battle. The rulers gathered together against the Lord and against his Messiah. That is what has happened here in this city. For Herod Antipas, Pontius Pilate, the governor, the Gentiles, and all the people of Israel were all united against Jesus, your holy servant, whom you anointed. In fact, everything they did according to your, your eternal will and plan, or everything they did was according to your, your eternal will and plan. And now, O oh Lord, there or hear their threats. Give your servants great boldness in their preaching. Send your healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. So as the pressure is intensifying, the heat is being turned up, the believers, the church gathers together and say, Lord, help us to do more of this. Give us boldness. We well, don't understand. You're going to get thrown in jail again. Yep. They're going to beat you. Like, literally, they're going to beat you. 
they will kill some of you. You need to understand, at this little church prayer meeting, there were some present at that meeting who would lose their lives. Ultimately, they all do. And their prayer in the, in the midst of persecution, Lord, give us more boldness. Give us more boldness. Help us not to back down. Help us not to back down. We don't live in this time. I mean, where we're at right now, yeah, maybe temperature and all that stuff is being turned up for us. And in our world, is, I mean, our nation just seems to be upside down and what's right is wrong and what's wrong is right and all that good stuff. There probably will come some days where these kind of claims are made towards the church. Stop talking about Jesus. You know, if you don't support this and you're going to lose your tax-exempt status and all that stuff, whatever, okay, whatever. We're not going to stop talking about Jesus. Do what you will. Do what you will. God, give us more boldness. Give us more boldness. Because we're not cowards. The church of God is, is not, we're not cowards. We're not cowards. Why? Why are we not cowards? Because heaven and hell are on the line. And there may be a lot of nonsense out there, and there are a lot of distractions and all this stuff. Church of God needs to get back to the fact that we're dealing with heaven and hell. We're dealing with eternity. There are people who stand on that line, so to speak. We need to be bold. We need to be brave. You need to tell people about Jesus. You need to be in the Word so much so that you begin to sound and look like Jesus. Not literally, okay, not literally, um, but, you, but you want people that you encounter to be like, man, you remind me of Jesus. Thank you. Let me tell you about him. Let me tell you about him. Give us more boldness. Please, and I would, this, this same prayer, it needs, to be, it needs to be the same in my heart, but for us as a church. Give us, please, more boldness. Give us more boldness. The days are growing darker. They are. Sounds like a perfect time for the church that's light to shine brighter. Let us shine brighter. Let us shine brighter. So they're praising God for this. He's in control. He's sovereign. He created everything. He's got it. He's got it. Give us more boldness. It says in verse 31, after this prayer, the building where they were, where they were meeting shook. Again, second time this kind of happens. And they preached God's message with boldness. We notice what's missing there. There's no, there's no fire above their heads. There's no like great wind or anything like that. That's already happened in Acts chapter 2. It doesn't happen again. But the walls are shaken. Why? Well, I don't know. Presence of God, maybe. Read Isaiah chapter 6. He kind of knows how to do that when he shows up, right? I mean, things will shake and move when he shows up. But they're just praying, and they preach the message with boldness. It says all the believers were of one heart and mind. There was unity. They felt that what they owned was not their own. They shared everything that they had. I mean, they were in great need, and the persecutions arising, and there were some who had and some who had nothing, and the church was just taking care of each other. That's what you do. That's what we do. Take care of each other. If you've been blessed with the opportunity to take care of others who are maybe less fortunate or something, then take care of them, right? And when you get to that point where you can bless somebody, then bless somebody. Just take, if there's a need, then take care of it. That's it. That's it. That's what the church should be doing. We're just taking care of each other. That's what they were doing here. Now, you got to understand, too, church history-wise, this doesn't last that long because the church in Jerusalem goes broke, okay? And goes broke, and Paul like rounds up some gifts from other churches and says, "We need to send this to Jerusalem because those guys don't have anything." But when they had it, they shared it. That's how it goes. That's how it is. They were all together, but they were united around Jesus. 
It says there was no poverty among them because the people who owned land sold and houses sold them. And they brought the money to the apostles to give to others in need. For instance, there was Joseph, one of the apostles named Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. And yes, this is the same Barnabas with Paul later on. He was from the tribe of Levi and came from the island of Cyprus. He sold a field he owned and brought the money to the apostles for those in need. Here's what I like about this. Okay, number one, we don't pass plates. That's, there's nothing wrong with that. Pass the plate, don't pass the plate, I don't care. I really don't care, okay? Your giving is between you and God, period. I don't, I don't even know what comes in. Just so you understand that, I don't even know. I don't know. I don't know who gives what. I don't want to know. It's not my business. That's between you and the Lord. That happens in those boxes and other guys collect that stuff and whatever. They do that. What we will not do is say, hey, you need to sell any extra property you have so that we can build this or fund that. We're not doing that. We're not doing that. I don't, yeah, I don't need a jet. I don't need my own private jet. <laughs> However, if you have one, and uh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> just kidding. It's, what were, they, were, they, had, they were blessed with excess, and so they had the ability to sell it, and they didn't have to sell it. It's as the Lord was leading them, and the scriptures talk about this. If you're going to give, give generously. The actual Greek word there is give hilariously, right? You should be joyful when you give. You should just be joyful because that's between you and the Lord, and it's an act of worship. It's an act of worship. Well, what, how much should I give and all that? I don't know. I don't know. Don't ask me. Ask God. It's not my business. It's not. Should you give? Yeah. I give. My family and I, we give. We do. I'm not going to tell you how much. It's none of your business. It's between us and the Lord. We want to give more, though. That's our heart. We want to always just give more. And if we can help somebody, we want to help somebody. We've been helped and we've been blessed by so many within the body. We want to continue to do that. That should be our hearts and our motives behind that. That's what was happening here. And it gets messed up the next chapter. And people die because of it. So make sure your motives are pure, are pure, and if they're not pure, if you can't give a gift cheerfully, then do not give it at all, okay? You probably won't hear many preachers saying that. I'm telling you right now, if your heart's not cheerful in your tithing and in your giving, then don't give. Don't. But you address that between you and the Lord, though, because that is an act of worship. And Jesus said, you know, when, when we, we give, that's what we do. You need to address that between you and him and figure out, Lord, why is my heart cheerful when I do this? I don't want to give begrudgingly. Find something that you love to support that God's moving through and then give generously to that thing. It doesn't matter. It's all his. It's all his. Barnabas is like, I got this extra land, man. I feel like the Lord's telling me to sell it and give it to those who need it. Boom, done, beautiful. When it, when it works like that, it's absolutely beautiful. Couple shows up in the next chapter, and they're like, "Yeah, we want to give stuff too." And uh, and well, God takes them out. So there you go. Read ahead. <laughs> Read ahead. That's the church service you really want to be a part of, right? You're like, two people just died in church. Um, God just killed two people. And you're like, um, I think He takes this thing very seriously. Yeah, He does. He does. So we'll talk about more um, next week. Read ahead. If you're continuing with us, I, I still want to encourage you. We threw out a challenge last week. Like, read, through the, read one chapter of the book of Acts every day. So, keep reading the book of Acts, and let's, um, you know what, let's go out there and shine bright, and let's, let's have some boldness to, to live like Jesus and to talk like Jesus. Hope to the hopeless, hopeless, red for the 
You've been listening to another edition of Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. We're so glad that you joined us as we learned about the early church in the book of Acts together. What an incredibly powerful book of God's faithfulness. If you'd like to listen to today's teaching again or hear more teachings from Pastor James, visit breadforthebroken.com and click on the teachings tab. While you're there, you'll also be able to learn more about the church behind this ministry, Calvary Chapel Galveston. If you're ever in the Galveston area, we would love to have you visit. We meet each Sunday at 10 a.m. and Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. for worship and Bible study. Our atmosphere is pretty relaxed, so we invite you to come just as you are. For directions and to learn more about us, just visit breadforthebroken.com. We would also love to connect with you. Just drop us a note in the contact form to let us know if you've been blessed by this ministry. Would you also prayerfully consider partnering with us in this ministry? Support from people like you allows us to share the gospel in unique and amazing ways. If you'd like to donate, visit breadforthebroken.com and click on the Donations tab. Any and all donations are welcome and greatly appreciated. We thank you in advance for your generosity in partnering with what God is doing. Our website one more time is breadforthebroken.com. Well, that's all the time we have for today, but be sure to tune in again next time as Pastor James teaches more from the book of Acts right here on Bread for the Broken.